Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. A presentation of Ex Libris Publishing, host Steve Jorgensen connects with the writer to share the vision and inspiration behind their works. Insightful, informative, and always entertaining, please welcome host Steve Jorgensen and this week's edition of Ex Libris On Air. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Giving Up the Ghost, and I think this is a motivational book with an unusual title. And my guest, who joins me from the Chicago area in the United States, Karen Schultz. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Nice to be here. Pleasure. Giving Up the Ghost. Uh, is this a motivational book? How would you uh, categorize your book? Well, I think it's a spiritual book. It's also a book about um, I work in a funeral home, and most of my private practice, I'm a social worker. So I work with people who have uh, bereaved parents. I've worked with people who are trying to get through the grief journey. And this is a book to keep them uplifted and inspired, to let them know that their loved one on the other side is fine and how to take care of themselves so that they can move forward with their lives after their lost loved one is gone. You have uh, broken this down into eight chapters. The first one, Grief in Our Society. Is this simply a look at the uh, the business that you are associated with, or is it a, an overall view of society in general? I think it's an overall view of society because most times grief and loss, people don't know what to say. People don't talk about it. It's a really taboo subject. If you talk about life after death, people think you're crazy. And the society doesn't really teach us how to deal with grief on a day-to-day basis or in terms of if something happens. So this is a book about how we can start the dialogue between people about grief and so that people won't be able to hide you can be honest and talk about it it really helps if you let go and open up do you give some step-by-steps for individuals like me perhaps a, a friend or neighbor or someone that we don't know well has passed away and we're forced with having to deal with that from a non-emotional secondary standpoint how do we approach those individuals and make them feel better about what's happened well i think you can avoid the cliches about um you know they're in a better place or um, you know, um, don't worry, you know, mm-hmm. you'll feel better. It's just going to be a few days or a few months. I think if we don't talk like that and we just let people know that we understand their loss, we hear their, their loss, and that we send a card or we, we don't pretend that everything's fine and that you talk about the lost loved one, you say their name. Like if my neighbor dies, I still talk to my uh, neighbor Alice and say, you know, do you miss Pat? Because he was here for many years. So I think if we um, approach the people and not look at them like they're um, a problem or they're monsters because they just don't know what to say, we can we can be human to one another because we've all suffered losses. And it's a, po- it's a question of how we can be human to ourselves and with our neighbors so that we can have unity and we don't have to be worlds apart. You have uh, mentioned that this is a taboo subject for some people, but it is important because it's something that we all are introduced to at some point in our life to maybe make those mental preparations so that should this come up in our in our discourse with someone that we have an answer for them or have a way to approach it. Yes, and that's what I teach when I do grief support groups in the funeral home. 
and that's when I work with bereaved parents, and the bereaved parents have told me, this is a club nobody wants to belong to. Who wants to have to deal with their loss of a child? But yet, they're all together. They need to heal together, so the goal is to let them have a place where they can talk, and they don't have to worry about people saying it's too long of a time, where they can have their own love and community. And that's what it's about when you do recovery. It's about community, and when you do lose a child or you've lost a husband or even a sibling, um, it does affect you very deeply, and it's good to have people in a group talk to you so that you're all going through the same thing. So that's what I try to do and help them heal together rather than alone and isolated in their house. Would you describe that as providing a safe environment for them to express their, their feelings? Yes, and as a therapist, that's my goal, which is to make a safe place where you can say what you want to say and uh, people don't look at you crazy. And if there is something that goes on, we can do it within the group if there's conflict. or So, I mean, it's kind of like another family. And a lot of the clients I work with are older, and they don't have really families. So the group becomes like a family to them. And, of course, as a social worker, I want to provide something that's comforting and something where they feel good about going to so everybody thinks groups in the funeral home are crazy but (laughs) after a while the funeral home looks like someone's house and it loses its funeral home touch and people get the human honesty between one another Uh, chapter four is the process of letting go and you have described it this way what exactly what exactly is letting go does it mean getting over it and moving on how else would you describe it I would say letting go is about the pain. And when you let go of grief and you let go of guilt, shame, and things that you might have felt you did wrong with these people, and you let go of your emotions and you just let uh, God help you or let something higher take over. So it's not holding on to the pain, the guilt, the shame, and also whatever other feelings you might have. It's, It's being able to release them. And talking about grief, we need a release. And talking about it and letting go is like a release of our own pain so that we can allow the process of healing. There's a natural process of healing that takes place. We allow that natural process to come in. So we're not saying let go of, you know, the person because they'll always have a relationship with the person. Even though they're on the other side, there is a relationship. So it's not like you have to let go of them totally. No, it's just a different relationship now that they're gone. Even though you want, there is still a relationship. You just don't see them on the physical. In describing your book, would you say this is a a book that would be uh, desirable for everyone to read, and would you describe it also as a positive book, or is it sad? No, I don't think it's sad at all, and part of the book was about creating joy and letting go and letting people be close to you again and being able to go out there and and live life and deal with the stresses and the coping. So it's obviously very positive Um, book because it enables people to come out of their hiding and to come out into the light. So it's really about finding the light inside you and still knowing that they're on the other side trying to give you messages. And some people will believe that and some people don't. But the people who believe that their lost loved one still sees them, still talks to them, and they can still have a relationship with them, those are the people who usually do well because they know their lost loved one is looking out for them here or that they're, they're around. And that's very comforting to people who've lost someone, especially very suddenly. Absolutely. Now, Karen, did you describe or did you share any personal stories, either yours or others, in your book? Yes, I share only real stories. 
My story is we teach what we most need to learn. So for years I've had many, many losses, and I've never dealt with them at all. So God put me in a place where I can teach other people kind of the way I needed to be taught. And it's very powerful because the people who I've lost, I still hear from them. My brother died of a, in a tragic car accident in California. He was 40. And uh, he basically I heard him tell me, you know, okay, I'm gone now, but I want you to get cheap angels, and I want you to go give them out to the people I say. So I have that psychic connection with my brother, and I, can, I was able to bring those angels to the people he wanted me to bring them to. So we had a communication going. So even though he was on the other side, I knew what he wanted, and my dad too. So I do have that spiritual gift of being able to hear people from the other side. I can't see them, but I can hear them, and I can communicate with them. So that's part of the book also, and I don't think you need to be a medium to communicate with your lost loved one. One of the stories you share, Spiritual Healing, healing the House My Grandfather Built. Sh- share with my audience a little of that story. Well, my dad was very abusive with me, and for ma- much of my beginning life, we really, um, I really was angry and sad and did not feel good about myself for many years. And I had to learn how to deal with my dad's death. And what I did was I turned all that pain that I had into love, and I changed the fear into love. So my, at the end of my dad's life, I was tell, asking God to please give him mercy because I didn't want to see him pained and hurt. And part of that was he did that to me, but I wasn't going to act that way to him. So I gave him the mercy. I asked God, and I took care of his house stuff when he, was, uh, when he died, and it was something I did not want to do. But I had to make peace with that house and my dad and the family. So for me, that was walking through the valley of death in the dark to try to find the light. So at the end of the five days, the house was cleaned out. I felt more like I had little little weight to worry about. I didn't have to feel heavy or it all just left me. So I felt like by communicating with myself and with God and with my dad, I was able to let go of a lot of pain and a lot of heartache and replace it with love instead of fear and loss and shame. Now, is chapter 7, is that a workbook chapter? It talks about contact page and forgiveness sheets. Is that something that you advise people to pursue? Yes. Because you know what? Forgiveness is the hardest thing for us to do. We're very hard on ourselves. And I would go to that chapter and look at those questions and realize that you can, you can really do whatever you need to do for yourself if you feel like you have somebody who's a guide or you have somebody guide you the way. So that's what I am. I'm the guide. I'm, I'm in the boat with you, but you're steering, and I'm t- telling you which way to go. And if you don't want to go that way, you don't have to. So the best thing I've ever done is forgiven myself for things that I thought I did that I really didn't do. Mm. So I would say anybody who's suffering with lack of forgiveness for themselves, for other people, this is a book for you to try to help you uh, get away from that and try to replace it with some positive, loving uh, ways of loving yourself. Karen, how long did it take to complete all of the stories in this book and to get your thoughts into a form that was... It was three years of working in the funeral home and doing my own practice and working with bereaved parents. 
and it took me a long time to get the stories because I wanted them to be real, and I didn't want people to think I made them up. These are real stories, and God put on my heart that I have to share these stories and my own story, too. So the book will also have authenticity, which is these are real people with real stories, and I've seen real growth in them. And the people who've gone on, they don't need the group anymore. Now they've got a life. And that's what it's about, reliving, rebuilding, being able to go on forward in your life so that it doesn't keep you weighed down. Did the process motivate you? Are you planning a sequel to Giving Up the Ghost? Yes, I am, and I'm going to keep following with the stories, keep learning, keep growing. And, you know, we can only bring people as far as we've been. So the reality is i got to keep working forward because i got to help more people, and I need to know more. So I just think I'm on the right path, and this book was put in my hand that I wrote, and my guides helped me write them, and the people from the funeral home helped me write them, my clients helped me write them. So we're putting out there real information about real people to solve real problems. Motivational book, 100 pages approximately, titled Giving Up the Ghost, subtitled Let Go of Grief and Restore Your Life. My guest has been Karen Schultz, who's joined me from Chicago. Karen, many of my listeners will want to get a copy of this. How do they do so? They can go on Amazon.com, they can do BarnesandNoble.com, or they can go to Ex Libris and try to find it there. Or it's in any bookstore. You can order it anytime, any place you are. But Amazon and Barnes and Nobles is a good thing, and they're there are just anytime you want to go to a bookstore, you can order it yourself. But they're pretty easy to get. Fabulous. And Karen is spelled with the traditional spelling with a K, K A R E N, last name S C H U L T Z. If you're yes. looking online, they could do a search and find out about other activities you're involved in and the next book when it comes out. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. And you can go to spiritcoachkaren.com. There you go. And are. you will learn more about my who I am and what I have to offer. Fantastic. Thank you, Karen, for joining me today. And best of luck in the future. Maybe we'll get to visit again. Thank you very much. My pleasure for Ex Libris on Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Get ready to live La Bella Vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live La Bella Vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, Check out her website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. The author, Dr. Rich. His book, The Big Red Car. How did you come to write this book? What motivated you? Well, it started a long time ago, actually. 
um, my daughter, who's now 23, um, was two years old at the time. And I was telling her bedtime stories. And I wanted to come up with a story that, you know, would help put her to sleep and uh, help relax her at the same time. And so I kind of made up the story on the spot. And uh, I told it to her that night. And it, it worked. She went off to sleep. And the next night she asked for the same story and then pretty much a lot of nights after that, uh, you know, the same thing went on. So, uh, so it is, um, 20 years old, but it's, it's fresh in print, uh, at this point in time. Who do you feel this book appeals to and why? Really, um, kids that are two, three, uh, and all the way up to maybe seven years old. Uh, they're just starting to read, like to look at books, uh, picture books. You know, the words are, are pretty big in the print. Um, the colors are good. And so it, it can be used as a tool to help them read and just to have fun with. Um, you know, and, the, you know, boys and girls will like the book as I started out with my daughter. But the, the book is about the car, the big red car. And, uh, you know, my son, who, who's now, um, who's 10, he still likes it. We still um, go over the story, you know, at night and stuff like that. So uh, so really, a- anybody in that age group um, that, that, you know, you're telling stories to it and so forth, it would be, be excellent. What one thing do you want readers to take away from your book? Well, the, when I wrote the book, um, as I said, it just came off the top of my head, but as I was putting the book together for, to get it into print, uh, you know, and I was thinking about what is the message, you know, the very question you just asked, um, it, it really, it kind of is an extension of my personality, which is to help people, you know, to have a positive outlook in life. And if you do those things, life's going to work out and people are going to be happy and you're going to build confidence in yourself. And so that's really kind of what the book does. Um, as you read through it, the, the big red car and his friends get into a jam and he helps them out. He's very willing to, you know, pitch in and help them out and, uh, and come to the rescue. And at the end of the book, they're, they're all happy and, you know, and they go off to sleep feeling good about what they've done that day. Speaking of, is there a scene or character you'd like to highlight during this interview? I, I have to say it's it's my favorite. And it's when they they rescue um, the dog, which his name is Scraps, uh, from getting stuck in the tree. He's chasing a cat, you know. And then they go off to the ice cream store, and they all have ice cream. And the um, the big red car has a banana split. And in the book, I, I stretch out that word and it says banana split, you know? So I've heard from people. And that's the way I used to tell it to my kids, which, which by the way, I, I have to say that I have four and I've told them the same story over the years. And so we've done the same thing. And it, that, that part, they really love And People have come up to me and said, you know, my kid says that when you tell this story, story i gotta tell it right and then especially that part where the banana say the banana split gotta say banana split so um 
that that that's that's my favorite part. And uh, so they're all hanging out at the ice cream store, and the big retard's having a banana split, and he's got it all over his face. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, um, how would you how would you introduce this book to a friend or an acquaintance in a few sentences? Well, it's a simple book. Um, you know, there's 40 pages. A car who has an owner, and they go out on a ride, and they meet up with their friends. And one of their friends has lost their dog, and they're trying to find the dog. You know, they're going around trying to find it, and they um, um, pass a dog catcher because the dog catcher is after the dog too. You know, and so they have to rescue the dog, and so they do that. Big red card, you know, he does a few tricks, and I'm not going to give it away, but he gives, does a few tricks, and so they rescue the dog, and um, and then they go on and, and have a good time and relax and eat some ice cream. The book. The Big Red Car by Dr. Rich. Tell me how your book is unlike others with similar topics. What sets it apart? I haven't seen, um, you know, a lot of books that, you know, have people um, that are, you know, it's for kids, but they're kind of doing adult things. They're kind of driving like a car, you know, which is something kids are always waiting to get to that age where they're going to, they're going to move ahead. They're going to drive a car. They're going to be like adults, but still written like for a little kid, uh, you know, and so uh, so it does that. When and where does this story take place? That's interesting, you know. Um, that's an interesting question. This story can actually take place uh, anywhere, anywhere where there's people and anywhere where there is an imagination. And so the reader can go to that place. And they can look at the pictures, and they can also superimpose their own uh, imagination where that's going to be. And I think that's what's very cool about it, um, because every place, you know, you have cars, and you have people, and you have pets. And so uh, that's what I think is cool about the book. The book, The Big Red Car, by Dr. Rich. What are three points you want children to take from your material? Oh, thanks. That's an interesting question. Um, I think, you know, one thing is friendship. That's very important in life, you know, to go through life, to be a friend and to have friends. Um, you know, because seriously, when, when, when you're gone, people are going to remember what a nice guy you are. They're not going to remember or, or, or lady, they're not going to remember, oh, he made a lot of money or you know, whatever. So I think friendship is very important and it helps us through life as, as we face um, difficult times, which would be one of the other points is adversity. Um, you know, that if, if you face adversity, you know, it's going to turn out all right. And so like the big red car, there's adversity in there with he and his friends and they just face it together and it works out okay. And so, so that, uh, as well as uh, developing relationships, which um, the book goes through that. So I think those three things uh, are pretty important, and, and they're primarily the messages in the book. What was the most challenging part about writing this book? It wasn't really that bad writing it. I think um, maybe just organizing the the pages with the, the print. I sketched a lot of all the... Um, the diagrams and the um, 
illustrations myself, but matching them up with the, the correct verbiage was a little bit difficult. And then just going through the process, it takes a little bit longer than you think. Um, it took about a year. And so, but it was, it was a great thing to do. I'm very glad I did it. Is there anything you feel we haven't covered that you feel your audience needs to know? This book has brought so much joy to to me and my family and my kids. And I just want people to get a hold of it and, and have fun with it. Um, you know, that's what it's all about is just having fun. And if you can learn a few things along, you know, with, with uh, learning how to read, man, that, that's just that's just excellent. And so uh, that, that's the main thing I want to get across. The book, The Big Red Car by Dr. Rich. Dr. Rich, thank you very much for being here with us today. It's my pleasure to be here. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. Hello, I'm Casey Coomer. The book, My Mommy, M.S. and Me, by Stephanie Garcia. Stephanie, hello. How are you today? Hi, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, how did you come to write this book? What motivated you? My motivation was that I myself have MS, so I wrote this book to help educate my own children about the disease that I have. And I hope that in the process, I might help others learn and teach their loved ones, or even themselves, about multiple sclerosis in a more fun and less clinical way. Excellent. Who do you feel this book appeals to and why? I feel that it appeals to anyone and everyone who has MS themselves or knows someone who suffers from the disease because it helps educate them and also explain it to others in a, in a less scary, more fun way. What's one thing you want readers to take away from your material? That MS doesn't have to be the end of the world or even be scary. Knowing what it is and how it works and what you can do to help your body fight against it is doable and necessary to live a better life with MS. We all need to become educated and educate others about MS so that we can help those who have it or even just help ourselves not only deal with it, but thrive with it. Are there any scenes or characters you'd like your audience to understand about your book before they read this? Um, I especially love all the characters in my book, from the immune system ninjas to the 
undercover soldiers, which represents the medication I have to take to fight MS, and even the superheroes that we become in order to overcome the obstacles of MS. All of these characters are kind of near and dear to my heart, and they all play an important role in the MS battle that I have to fight each and every day. Now, before we get any further, how can we find your material? You can. I actually have a blog and a website, and on that website, I have information about my book and also future upcoming books. The website is www.creativemind4life.com. And on there, you'll find the blogs and also other resources and information that I have on there. But the MS book that I wrote, My Mommy, MS, and Me, is also on there at a discounted price because I actually wrote the book more for to raise awareness and to pass on information. So I said it cheaper than they do on other websites. And some of the money that I make on each book, I donate to the MS Society and the Manhattan Chapter to help try to find funds, research, and help find the cure for MS. Very excellent. How would you introduce this book to a friend in a few sentences? Um, this is a new, interesting, informative book that explains multiple sclerosis to children and adults alike in a less clinical, more playful, entertaining, and fun way. So you can educate yourself and teach children about this complicated disease in a way that won't scare them, but actually spike their interest to learn more about the uh, disease. The book, My Mommy, MS, and Me, by Stephanie Garcia. Now, Stephanie, tell me how this book is unlike others with similar topics. What sets it apart from the crowd? Well, when I was trying to educate my own children on multiple sclerosis, everything I found on the market was either too personal, too complicated, or just plain scary. And the lack of resources in educating my children led to the creation of this book. There isn't anything like it in the market because I know because I searched for it. And when I couldn't find it, I created it with the help of my kids. When and where do your stories take place? It takes place in the here and now. This story is the story of my life and how we live it, my children and I. Are there three words that best describe your work? Yes. Entertaining, educa- um, exciting, and educational. What was one of the most challenging parts about writing your books? So taking such a complicated, sad disease and explaining it in a matter that is more fun and uplifting, motivating, but still realistic. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you feel is important for your audience to know? Um, I just want everyone to know that I wrote this book mostly because I have a personal struggle with it myself and I wanted to educate my children. But I wrote it in hopes that I would be able to open the floor for communication about multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis is a very complicated disease and sometimes we tend to shy away from introducing the information to our children because it's so complicated and because it's so difficult and it is scary but it's really open to open 
it's really important to open the flow for communication with children because they need to know what we're suffering with and they need to understand what we're going through. And sometimes they themselves might have multiple sclerosis and they need to be educated on it. So I'm hoping that my book will help do that. And that's why it's not, it's really generalized. It kind of breaks down what it is, how it works and how it can affect different individuals. And then it opens up the floor to say, you know, for them to ask questions about, okay, mommy or daddy or, you know, myself, how does this affect me and how is it affecting my life and my body and making it more personal? It seems like you have a lot to say. Do you have any other material in the works? Um, Yes, I'm actually working on two other books, which are working titles. One of them is 10 10 Steps to Overcome MS or adversity, Adversary When Adversary Won't Go Away. And then I'm writing another book on tips, tricks, and techniques for parenting with MS or other disabling diseases. Very excellent. And again, please, can you tell me how we can find your material? Um, you can go to my website at www.creativemindsforlife.com, but it's Creative Minds, the number four, life, and then .com. You will have that information there, but you can also find it on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles online. But that's pretty much it. Okay, so cool. So you can go on my website and find it. You can also find it on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes and Nobles. But I would suggest going to my website because, like I said before, I don't do this for income or the money. I do it so that I can raise awareness. So you can find my book online on my website for half the price that you will in Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. Very foot forward. The book, My Mommy, MS, and Me by Stephanie Garcia. Stephanie, thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.